thousands of people have mysteriously vanished in America's wilderness. Join us as we dive into the deep end of the unexplainable and try to piece together what happened. You are listening to Locations Unknown. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Locations Unknown. I'm your co-host, Joey Rado, and with me, as always, is a man who's so pure the Pope kisses his ring, Mike <laughs> Van de Bogart. Oh, thank you, Joe, and uh, thank you once again to everybody for tuning in. I'm back after a short little uh, break. Like a little stint of having a baby. <laughs> yeah. So a little tired still, but uh, <laughs> been, been down this road before, so it's a little little expected. Uh, so before we get going here, just a couple uh, quick announcements. You want to explain like the music choice? Oh yeah, so um, <laughs> we're we're doing a case in Scotland today, and uh, first time we've done a case from Scotland. So it got me reminding, you know, thinking of the movie Braveheart, and you can take our land, but you can't take our freedom. <laughs> Joe's been practicing a Scottish impression all night, and I think he kind of sounds like a uh, Australian pirate, but. Which I said exactly. Yeah. So, um, anyways, so uh, first, before we get going, just some shout outs to some new Patreon members. So, some of these are from last episode, and Joe forgot to mention them. Um, Actually, you are the administrator of our patron, <laughs> yes, so I don't, I didn't have access to their names. Uh, so, Stephanie King, Marissa Lemons, uh, Laura Ellis, Louisa Lynch, Patricia Everett, and Christina Miller. So, thank you so much for. Supporting the show. Thank you very much. Uh, we may do a special Patreon episode after this. Joe, uh, we had a, a troll basically email the show, and Joe responded in one of the most epic emails I've ever read. I've defeated an internet troll. And we actually got... I didn't know that was possible. We got the uh, person in question to apologize. So yeah. it might be the first time in the history of the internet that has happened. <laughs> yeah, I feel, I feel like it's pretty... Su- substantial yeah so maybe we will maybe we won't it's pretty late tonight so we'll see <laughs> we'll see how things are going. we will it just might not be tonight yes we, we can do it going forward um also if you would like to call the show and leave a voicemail you can call 208-391-6913 you can also support the show through patreon youtube memberships we have premium subscriptions on apple where you get uh bonus episodes and you can listen to all our regular episodes ad free you can also buy swag from our store on our facebook page or website so anything from you joe no sir all right everybody let's gear up and get out to explore locations unknown friday march 25th 2022, a survival expert and resident of the Scottish Highlands went out to film an episode for his bushcraft survival show on YouTube near Loch Navir. When he did not return, a massive search went went underway. Join us this week as we investigate the disappearance of Finn Creaney.
right, Mike. So this episode takes us all the way up to the Scottish Highlands. <laughs> That's where the Australian kicks in right at the end. I yeah. can hear it. Uh, uh, is it Loch Naver or Loch Navir? Well, I, I've heard Loch Navir, but... Um, Loch Navir. <laughs> I listened to some videos on YouTube from various news organizations, and it, Loch Navir kept coming up. All right, so if we get it wrong, we're going to go on to those YouTube videos yes. and leave really angry reviews and comments <laughs> there we go. about how they misinterpreted the thing. <laughs> yeah, just kidding. Um, so we're going to talk about just the habitation history of the area. So it's not a complete history, just highlights from uh, some historical events in the Scottish Highlands. Early historical. Early. The history of Scotland goes back. We're not going to do the whole thing? <laughs> no. This is like a 10-part episode? Yeah, just on the history. It all leads up to this guy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so in 12,000 BC, people first occupied Scotland in the Paleolithic era. Small groups of hunter-gatherers lived off the land, hunting wild animals and foraging for plants. Natural disasters were a seriously serious threat. Around 6200 BC, a 25-meter-high tsunami devastated coastal communities in the Northern Isles and Eastern Scotland. So now we're going to go up to 4,000 BC. People first started cultivating and claiming ownership of the land in Scotland. In the Neolithic period, they built permanent shelters, made pottery and stone axes, and created tombs to house the remains of their ancestors. Uh, moving up to 2,500 BC, the arrival of metalworking signaled the start of the Bronze Age and a period of technological change. Which brings us to 700 BC. The Iron Age saw people making better tools and weapons. Communities also built defensive forts of timber, earth, and stone to keep enemies at bay. And now we're going to go to 79 AD. Roman Emperor Claudius invaded Britain in AD 43 and soon ventured north. Despite the Romans' best efforts to fortify the border with the Hadrian's Wall in AD 122 and central Scotland with the Antonine Wall, Antonine Wall, 20 years later, they were fought back by the Caledonians and the Picts and eventually retreated from Britain altogether by AD 410. So yeah, that's uh is that William Wallace era, era fighting off the invaders? <laughs> no. Okay, see I don't I don't know any of this history. No, William Wallace was much later that was um around, you know, portraying the fight between the people of Scotland and England. Oh, okay. That wasn't okay. Yeah. I should I should have known that, but I, I haven't <laughs> seen that movie since I was in high school, I think. That's a good movie. Yeah, it's a great movie, but we I was talk about it a little here. I, but like I wasn't at the age where you care about history yet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, after you have no, kids, you start becoming more middle aged, you're like, you know, history's an interesting thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a light switch goes off. You wake up one day and you're like all of a sudden like, I really want to know about World War Two. And then you watch, <laughs> you know, 10 documentaries about World War II. Yes. Hardcore history. Dan Carlin, amazing <laughs> yes. podcast. I think it takes him 70 hours to cover World War II. Yeah. It's good. It's so good. No, it is good. All right. So uh, 80, 380. Uh, the early historic period refers to an era when Scotland's history first started to be recorded in writing, mostly by monks. Um, so it was just like cave paintings before then? Like. Word of mouth. Word of mouth. I mean, that's... So none of that's true. <laughs> what? It's like all everything before 300 AD is just all like a guy telling stories. Just passed to, down. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of how people told history until yep. they, they wrote it down. Oh, what a great time. You could just like make your family like popular in history. Well, if you get enough people to keep repeating it. Yeah, you just walk around telling the same story. <laughs> like pretend you're somebody else telling about another family. They call this family, the Arados. Yeah, they <laughs> fought off grizzly bears by hand, and they taught all their ancestors, and that's how they're so amazing. 
uh, oh. 880, around this time, the Vikings arrived to trade and settle around Scotland, both in the West Coast and in the North at places like Fair Isle. Uh, so here are some interesting facts about Scotland. Uh, it's home to an ancient tree. Scotland is home to the oldest tree in Europe, and it is one of the old uh, one of the oldest living organisms in the world. It is a twisted U that has been around for over three thousand years. And that's twisted Y E W, not Y O U. You'll have to find a picture of it when I when you're going. Yeah. All right, I'll look that up. I'm kind of curious to see what it looks like. Yeah. I should have looked it up. Yep, you should have. I can. <laughs> I can. I'll do it real fast. Twisted. You. Let's see. We'll describe it for the listeners in a fashion that no one will understand. Oh wow! I think I've seen. Um, this seems like a, I've seen in like horror films. The trees look like this. That's really cool. So basically, uh, there's a couple different variations. One is like the bark of the tree looks like they're wringing it out like a rag. Would yeah. you say like it's if you took a tree bark and just wrung it around and all of the grooves go around like that in a spiral? Yeah. But there's ones where it's like tons of different. Um, branches intertwining around themselves yeah it's a cool looking tree definitely cool. it's like something you'd see in like harry potter oh yeah or like, like the whopping willow yeah yeah these are really cool <clears throat> yeah those are gnarly trees so they got one that's three thousand years old that's pretty crazy that's cool uh it is a ufo hotspot. the small scott town of bonnie bridge has become the ufo capital of the world the town has more than 300 sightings of unidentified flying objects reported every year all right. Pretty cool. Or it's Starlink. <laughs> the world's shortest flight. Scotland is home to the world's shortest commercial flight in the world. The journey from Westray to Papa Westray in Orkney is approximately 1.5 miles long and just takes 47 seconds. Uh, the tickets are quite expensive, too. I, okay. I don't know why. There you, must not be a road. It, it must, yeah, it must be like an islander. I should have looked that up, it too. It should probably isn't even an island because you could take a boat. That's true. Unless it's like, I wonder if it's like the rich people of Scotland live there and they're like, we just take a commercial plane. I don't know. A mile and a half. <laughs> uh, we can thank the Scots for modern tech. Did you know that? You have to be very thankful to Scots because they helped invent the modern world. Scotsman Alexander Graham Bell invented the telephone in February of 1876 and engineer John Logie, uh, Logie Baird created the world's first TV picture on October 2nd, 1925. Uh, Braveheart, the movie, got a few things wrong. This is this one that bugs a lot of Scots, but the nickname Braveheart was actually for Robert the Bruce, not William Wallace, at, as the film depicts. Robert the Bruce was one of the most famous warriors of his generation and eventually led Scotland during the first war of the Scottish independence against England. So was, that whole movie is really about Robert the Bruce, and they just called no, it I mean, William Wallace? He's in, in the movie, but... Um, <laughs> I, Braveheart, you know, like William Wallace, Mel Gibson's character is like the lead character of the movie. Yeah. But Braveheart was actually Robert the Bruce, who was like a uh, side character in the movie. Okay. So. They technically never call William Wallace Braveheart in the movie, so. Well, I don't, I mean, it's a long movie and I saw it a long time ago, so yeah. I have no clue if they did or didn't, but. Uh, here are some in other inaccuracies. Kilts were not a thing. Kilts did not become a significant clothing item for Scottish people until the 17th century. That's a solid 300 years <laughs> after William Wallace. <laughs> they just wanted it for that one scene where he flashes everybody. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, William Wallace, Wallace was not a commoner. 
throughout Braveheart, the viewer is reminded that William Wallace comes from humble means. However, the Wallaces were a long-standing and noble family, and William's father, Malcolm, was a knight. William would have had would have had excellent education and military training. Oh, and he wasn't a Highlander either. He was from the lowlands of the same Anglo-Norman descent as his English rivals. <laughs> Yeah, that's not as compelling as a story if you do no. it that way. Uh, so the timeline's wrong. Outside of what we just said, from the very beginning, nothing about the film's time and its sequence of events makes any historical sense. The film opens in 1276, at which point, in reality, King Alexander III of Scotland was still alive, and the English weren't yet making much of a fuss over Scotland. The rebellion began in 1296. Additionally, in reality, King Edward I did not die at the same time as William Wallace, as the film suggests. He died several years later. King Edward II did not marry Isabella until after Wallace's death, at which time she was 13, considerably younger than the 29-year-old Sophie Marcoux, Marisu, who played her in the film. Yeah. Uh, I think I knew this one, but uh, just because of all the memes, but we can thank Scotland for golf. Scotland is considered the home of golf as it was invented there in the 15th century. The sport was first played on the east coast of Scotland using pebbles and sticks. Since then, St. Andrews became one of the world's first golf courses founded in 1754 and is still considered one of the best in the world. Robin Williams has a really funny skit about the invention of golf. I, oh, really? It's, it's pretty long. I don't remember it, but I remember listening to it at the time and laughing. <laughs> so it's good. Lewis Black has one too, where he just hates on golfers. <laughs> All right. So we'll talk about the climate. I'm guessing rainy. Um, that is without even looking first. The Scottish Highlands do get periods of cold, snowy, and extreme weather. However, for the majority of the time, the Highlands can be visited throughout the year. On average, the hottest month is July in summer, and the coldest is January in the winter. Rainfall on average falls fairly evenly throughout the year. February is the driest month with September being the wettest. So in the winter, the days are the shortest and the temperature is the coldest. I bet you couldn't have guessed that. Yeah. (laughs) The days can be crisp and clear. Uh, Therefore, if visitors do not mind the cold, it's possible to enjoy visiting the Scottish Highlands in winter. There is the possibility of snowfall during this time. It can get so cold that visitors are advised to bring warm winter clothing. From December to February, the average daytime temperatures are between 42 degrees and 44 degrees Fahrenheit. That is not bad. No. I love how they're talking like they're definitely not from Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, In spring, the climate is milder, uh, making a good time to visit. There can be some great sunny days mixed with cooler and wet weather. Spring is a good time to visit if uh, you prefer mild to warm and offers an alternative to visiting in the peak summer heat. So you're seeing temperatures from 48 degrees to 57 degrees Fahrenheit. Again, that pretty nice range there. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so, the, so far, it sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, most days in summer range from mild to warm, uh, with the possibility of some infrequent hotter days. The days are at their longest in summer. Uh, can be overcast in humid conditions in the summer. The average temperature in July and August is approximately 64 so that's really nice. It yeah. never gets hot, hot, it seems like. No. Uh, summer's a good time to explore a number of local towns and villages and take in scenery along the way. From June to August, the average temperatures are from 60 degrees to 66. Pretty right. nice. Yeah. Let's see. Autumn. Um, it can vary from some pleasantly mild days, particularly at the start of September, to cooler and colder days in October and November. So autumn is a good time to visit the highlands as it avoids peak summer tour season while still having milder temperatures and longer hours of daylight, particularly at the start of September. Uh, Average temperatures from September to November 
are between 48 degrees and 60 degrees Fahrenheit. It, it really sounds like a climate I would enjoy to live in. Yeah. It's, you, see, I like it hot, man. I, I like it. I like autumn's my favorite season. So Okay, it's like permanently autumn there almost. Yeah. <laughs> Summer's basically like our autumn. Yeah. Um, so the terrain. The highlands are bisected by a fault line of Glenmore. Uh, which is occupied by a series of locks, the largest of which is Loch Ness, famous for its probably mythical monster. <laughs> uh, so north of Glenmore is an ancient plateau, which through uh, through long erosion has been cut into a series of peaks of fairly uniform heights separated by glens, valleys, carved out by glaciers. That would look really cool. Yeah. It's like a plateau that's been turned into mountains, so they all are the exact same height. Yeah. Uh, the northwestern fringe of the mainland is particularly barren. The rocks of the Lewison complex have been worn down by severe glaciation to produce a hummocky landscape dotted with small locks and rocks protruding from thin, acidic soil. So the landscape is varied by spectacular Torridonian sand, sandstone mountains weathered into sheer cliffs, rock terraces, and pinnacles. So that's like when you get that view where it's just drops into the ocean is yeah. that like what they're talking about i think so yes okay so what are the types of dangers outside of a beach being cold and maybe gray a lot uh <laughs> there's the highland cow yeah none of these are gonna affect wild you, cats think. golden eagles pine martins humpback whales those you gotta watch out for those whales yeah uh red squirrels puffins which are like the fakest looking bird ever yeah like whenever you see a puffin you're like that's not real someone photoshopped they're that. really funny looking they are funny looking they're so <laughs> cool though uh red deer uh, the caper cali, which is a bird, and the bottlenose dolphins. Yeah, so there's really no animals uh, in the highlands that are, you know, there's no grizzlies or anything like that. that yeah. Are, are you sure there's it. no grizzlies? <laughs> I'm not 100%, but I'm pretty pretty sure. Yeah. So so all, all together, the weather is pretty unpredictable, as uh, similar to the rest of the UK. It's possible to see elements of all four seasons in one day. The region does experience snowfall in the winter, and it can be heavy at times. It's advisable for visitors to check the forecast before they arrive in the highlands to get a better idea for the sort of clothing they'll need during the trip. Uh, hooded, warm, waterproof coats and hats will ensure visitors are prepared for spells of wind and rain the region may experience. That's funny because when you see videos of Scotland, people are always in rain jackets. Yeah. Just like, ah, just always wear this. Yeah. Uh, you do want to acquaint yourself with the area. Uh, what is the terrain like? Potential dangers. Uh, on the top of Colon Ridge, there is no water. So you want to take some with you if you're hiking in that very specific spot. That's an example of. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, oh, this one's cool. The Colon Hills are naturally magnetic, making compass reading problematic. That would be bad. Yeah. <laughs> if you're following a compass just in the wrong direction. Or it's just spinning around. Yes. <laughs> uh, so you do want to wear the right clothing. Uh, wind can kill you. It makes cold temperatures feel colder and the and is called wind chill. Many layers of clothing and woolly hats are a good idea. Make sure your head is covered and it, and the covering is attached to a strap to prevent it from blowing away. Thick socks are essential. Stout walking boots are good for rocky terrain. Make sure they are broken in and not new. Thermal underwear and breathable fabrics like Gore-Tex are good long-term investments. It's funny because as I'm reading this, I'm just picturing every time I've ever seen a movie of people in Scotland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is what they're wearing. Just normally. Yeah, everyone's like, you literally have to wear this stuff. Yeah. Because it's just always prepared for any weather. <laughs> So here are just some uh, equipment recommendations for survival in the Scottish Highlands. 
uh, a good quality folding knife and a lock or sheath for it. Uh, head torch, uh, one with the new LED. Uh, those are great because you can make them super bright. You can go red if you're walking at night so it doesn't yeah. mess up your night vision. Uh, a bivy bag, that's a, a sleeping bag that acts as a tent. Uh, a map, and you want to either keep it uh, in a Ziploc bag or get a poly polythene map, uh, which is basically waterproof. Yeah. Uh, don't forget your glasses. <laughs> Pens or pencils uh, for notes. You want to bring your mobile phone. Uh, don't rely on it, but it's good to have. And a good compass and watch and a whistle. Uh, and the compass won't matter if you're in the uh, that other area we were talking about, the Cullen Hills. Yes. Uh, but a watch and a whistle. Uh, sat nav. They do work in that really uh, in that region. Food, uh, plus emergency rations, flasks with warm or cold drinks. Or whiskey. Or whiskey. Whiskey. <laughs> uh, good, suitable clothes and thermal underwear. Uh, Pain-killing tablets, black plastic bins, and just to keep your leave no trace going and bring it home with you. Yeah, and this was just a list recommended by search and rescue teams in Scotland. So it's kind of funny. I you feel know. like you can't get lost because there's like no trees. It's just flat ground and... Well... <laughs> It's it's massive. It's, of all the stereotypes, yeah, it's uh, it's a massive kind of uh, the farther north. Based on my research, you go in the Highlands, the you know more desolate it gets, and um, <clears throat> looks like a really cool place to hike. And Joe will pull some pictures up. Yeah, I'll get as it. we get, I'll going, get going here soon. Um, yeah, so, let's learn about uh, Finn Creaney. Yeah, so um, for a case that's so recent, we are a little sparse on specifics about Finn, but he went missing March 25th of 2022. He was a male. He was uh, 32 at the time of his disappearance. Now, if anyone's done any research on this case, I noticed that quite a few publications listed his age at, as 33, um, but 32 was listed on the official police uh press release so that's the age i'm going with you need to do better research this is ridiculous <laughs> yeah. amateur hour um <clears throat> so he was five foot eleven I'm gonna write that down writing it on our table better research <laughs> um this is a problem we always forget to do better research did, did you remember to film turn the cameras on yeah okay yeah it's been a while since i've been here so you know <laughs> just little, no faith no faith uh like i said he was five foot eleven uh, we don't know his weight, but everyone said that he was slim built. He had a slim build, and we're looking at pictures of him. He looks... Yeah, he's slim. Yeah. Uh, hair color, he had long brown hair down to his lower back. He had a light complexion with freckles on his arms and nose. He also has a YouTube channel where I was on his channel, um, and he's got quite a few videos of himself doing, you know, deep backcountry hiking, you he was showing survival techniques, how to start a fire, how to, you know, put up a tent. Yeah, he caught a fish with like a stick and a line. Yeah. So um, he was very experienced in the wilderness. He, I think his dad, after, we'll go into this a little bit after he goes missing, his dad has been out in the backcountry for like 60 different times searching for him. And I think he learned a lot of his, you know, backcountry skills from his dad. Uh, he was last seen wearing a black T-shirt, a knee-length brown leather jacket, dark-colored trousers, brown waterproof boots, and was carrying a green rucksack. Um, he was planning to film a YouTube video, so it's assumed he may have been carrying additional camera equipment, but we don't know that for a fact. Um, personality issues or personality 
every, from everything I read, he was a, a super fun guy. He, some of the pictures you'll see, he's wearing a coat that looks like Aragon's Aragon. Oh Aragon? yeah. I had those pulled up poles. Yes. Yeah. The, the guy, uh, the, one of the main characters from Aragorn, Aragorn. Yep. Oh, you're going to like, you just mispronounce <laughs> the Lord of the Rings. Name. I, and I love Lord of the we're, Rings. We're going to get hammered worse than we ever have. Yeah. Those people can get angry. Yes. He was a musician. <laughs> <laughs> he knew how to, he, you know, he was, uh, a, a prior life. He, he was in a band. Um, he also ran a survival school called, um, bushcraft. He's dressed like he's in the witcher. He can be the guy. <laughs> yeah. He Toss does. a coin to your witcher. Like, <laughs> Oh, Valley of plenty. That's what he's seeing. He's like, he's like, uh, what do they call those? Like a minstrel. You kind of sound like Jack black. Oh yeah. That that's a, the best compliment you've ever given me. <laughs> so yeah, he, uh, he ran a survival school in the town. He was from teaching kids, uh, his survival techniques and that's awesome yeah he so like i said very a keen outdoorsman and survivalist he started his youtube channel under the name wildcat bushcraft in january 2021 to showcase his survival skills in the scottish highlands um several like i said several of his videos highlighted his ability to build emergency shelters and survive in sub-zero temperatures so very experienced and you'll find in um some of the theories people were very you know, it was confusing to them that someone like this could go missing. So we'll jump right into the time. You want to play the trailer to his sure. YouTube show? We can just give it, see, see what he sounds like. Hi, I'm Finn Creaney, survivalist and bushcraft instructor from the Highlands of Scotland. And welcome to the Wildcat Way. It's the elements of survival. So you need shelter, heat, you need good water, purifying it, absolute essential, and then food. It's a real thing of beauty at the moment. The shelter's done. Let's get this fire started. Join us on our journey with the challenges and successes of practicing the elements of survival and using the power of positive mindset. This is a really good production. Survival yeah. techniques, cooking methods, gear, experiencing the profits that come with that so that we can teach the next generation. Looks like I'm in business. Yeah, it looked really good. It did look burger patties. Water purification, travel, the wilderness, animal life, the strength of the human spirit. Joined by my forest oh, brother, he's boiling water in a glass bottle. Yeah, practice to clean it. A true gentleman, whose expertise will really help us in this journey. Ben Withers. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> he took his pants off so he wouldn't get his clothes wet. That's, yeah. I never thought of that either. He was. He was. For those who are listening, he was crossing a river in his underwear. It's just a funny shot. I'm totally going to watch these. These are really well produced. And he definitely looks like he knows what he's doing. Yeah. You know, you can just like tell when there's like people who are legit and people who aren't. He's yeah. definitely seems, that's why I wanted to watch it. Like he definitely seems like he knows what he's doing. Yeah. So that, that makes this whole case even more puzzling. Um, when I get into, um, kind of the timeline and theories. So 
Everything starts off on Friday, March 25th, 2022. It's the morning. Finn planned to go uh, on one of his solo adventures in the wilderness, something he had done many times. Uh, the planned hike he was going to do was about 40 kilometers or 24.9 miles. Uh, the weather that weekend was described as unseasonably hot. The high in the 25th was 48 degrees Fahrenheit, and the low was 33.8 degrees Fahrenheit, so not that cold. His intended destination was the Lac Navir area, about an hour's drive from his home in the countryside outside of Tain in the Scottish Highlands. Uh, Finn, according to his wife, had been planning this trip for two or three months, and it was going to be the final episode for his season two show on YouTube uh, that I, like I said, was called Wildcat Bushcraft. Um, in my research, it was never determined if Finn planned to make this hike via the roads or if he was going to go cross country, but many assumed based on his experience that he was just going to kind of bushwhack it across uh, the country. And you can see here, Joe, if you scroll down, I have a map of what he kind of planned to do. If you keep going down, uh, keep going, keep going. There we go. So he could have gone... Okay. He could have gotten there via road. And these roads are not like roads you're thinking of. I saw pictures of them. They're small. It looked like some of them are gravel. Okay. Or you could literally just bushwhack it all yeah. the way down. Which I, that was the whole point of a show. So I'm guessing that was exactly what he planned to do. <laughs> yeah. And that's what a lot of people thought too, that he wouldn't have done it down like via road. Okay. So, um, yeah. So... He uh, said goodbye to his wife, Lucy, and four-year-old daughter, Luna, that morning and drove to Goldsby uh, Beach Car Park, which was around 17 miles away. Uh, at that point, he left his car there with the aim of collecting it at the end of his hike. So, uh, and Joe is pulling it up here on Google Earth. <clears throat> so now it is, it's still Friday, March 25th. It's 12.52 p.m. He... Left a voicemail for his wife, Lucy, saying, hey, honey, I love you lots, and I'm really proud of you. And this is because his wife at the time was launching a business as a florist, and he promised to be home by midday on Sunday to deliver um, the Mother's Day flowers her customers had ordered, according to his wife. Finn always kept promises and never arrived uh, at home you know, late. So uh, it is now... Same day, March 25th, it's 1.47 p.m. This would be the last time his cell phone pinged a tower. His phone was in the village of Lerge, uh, and no messages were sent after this time. So law enforcement uh, couldn't confirm what happened to the phone, which is not surprising, and they basically said it was either switched off, broken, or it run out of battery. Uh, you know, my f guess is he probably was getting close to his destination and to save battery, just turned it off because he, you know, he'll be back Sunday. He probably wanted to conserve battery so he could use his phone to take pictures. Um, I've done that on hikes because, you know, modern cell phones take really great pictures. So uh, that's not all that surprising. Lucy would go on to say that she could see the messages she had sent him later that afternoon and evening hadn't been read, and she thought this was strange, as she knew Finn would be using his phone to film his adventure for YouTube and for navigation. She didn't think too much of it at the time, as she thought he would be okay, as he always was. 
So this is like it's barren. It's completely barren. Yeah. He what, was going right over that mountain. Wow. Yeah, I'll go back out because you can see. Oh, no, I don't want to start a new project. So where is this near? Is this near kind of where he was dropped off? Yeah, so, well, I'm, I was going off the footprints. So he basically started here when I crossed. So if I pull up, here's that lot. I don't know how, lodge. like, accurate. So we have where he, he was dropped on off. Para, how do he you was dropped it? off on B873 Road at a caravan park near Lac Navier. Okay, I'll find that. You keep going. Okay, so B what? Uh, road B eight seven three at a caravan park near Lac Navier. So it's two fifteen now on the twenty fifth, and like we said, he had dropped his car off, and a family member had driven oh, him is. to the location that Joe has up on the screen here at the caravan park near this lake. He planned to walk around the lock and south to Goldspy. This would be the last confirmed sighting of Finn. So Joe now has this pulled up. I mean, it's it's a cool scenery. I, I wonder if he's dropped off right here. It's a passing place. That I mean, that's the caravan um, park. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you there's no trees. It's for those just listening. It's it's like grassland. Can you see when this picture was taken? Like what time of year? Um, I know it shows twenty twenty three. Doesn't show a time, like Image. a date. Yeah, just sometime in 2023. Okay. Because that looks, it must have, this picture looks like maybe it's from a winter month. Yeah. Um, either way, though, no trees. It's pretty desolate. There are structures around, you know, yeah, like, like, looks like there's a little farm or something there. Yeah, a cottage. Yeah. But, you know, it's desolate, and. So he was walking around. It's going to go around the lake. To which side? To Goldspy. So Goldspy. whichever way that is. So zoom out. It's on the coast. Oh, you're saying, oh, okay, like going all right here. Yeah. I thought you meant he was going around the lake and there's something nope. else. So he there, was going to so. go around Lac Navier. And yeah, then and then just straight across. Straight to Goldspy. To Goldspy. Right That's here. where his car is. Okay. So. I mean, I'm sure it's like flat the whole way. And like we said, it was about 40 yeah. kilometers, or I think it was like 29 miles. So, Yeah, it's just straight that way. For someone of his experience and, you know, doing that in a weekend. Yeah, it seemed really flat, and there wasn't like a ton of terrain issues, so I think you could totally walk that. Yeah. So uh, it is now Sunday, March 27th, 2022. It's 6.30 p.m. Lucy, his wife, started 25 miles. Okay, that's about what we... As the crow flies. Yes, the crow flies. Yeah, that's yeah. about what we said. Yeah. Um, so Lucy started to panic after Finn didn't show up by midday, and although this was inconvenient, she assumed his hike had simply taken longer than expected. Um, but, however, by this time, you know, evening on Sunday, she was starting to worry, uh, but she still was just maybe assuming his phone died and he couldn't get in touch. So... It's now Monday, March 28th, 2022. Lucy uh, rang the school where Finn was working uh, as a survival expert. Um, she said, I'm Finn Creaney's wife, and this is going to sound weird, but is Finn there? They told her he wasn't, then went and checked the whole school, called back and confirmed definitely wasn't there. 
She then decided to uh, call the police and ended up reporting him missing. So he was reported missing Monday, March 28th. Um, Lucy was then quoted. Even then, I still felt ridiculous. I was sure I was overreacting, all but certain the police would meet him on his walk and he would laugh, are you for real? He's like a cat. He always lands on his feet and always comes home. But I also couldn't help thinking, what if something has happened? Had he had an accident? What else could have gone on? Looking back, I think I probably went into a state of shock, unable to make sense of his absence. So That's so sad. Yeah, so... Seemed like such a good dude, like, had a good family. And if you look at the terrain and the weather was, you know, for that time of year was pretty good. And he planned and, it for three months, and he knows what he's doing. And his level of experience, yeah, it's very odd that he went missing. So we'll get into theories, and I've got theories on this. Um, so the, the search pretty much started shortly after Finn went missing, and it lasted for almost a month. So... um. The next bit of timeline is different reports we have from uh, the police and uh, one of the family members, it might have been his wife, started a Facebook page and was posting updates as the search was going on. So this timeline is kind of pieced together from police reports, um, family members, and uh, some news articles. So uh, first... It's Tuesday, March 29th, 2022. Uh, this comes from a police press release. At least five search dogs are assisting the hunt for uh, the missing Scott alongside um, the Ascent Mountain Rescue Team and RAF Mountain Rescue Services. A Coast Guard help helicopter is also being used to search the area as concerns grow for the well-being of the 32-year-old. And you can see... Uh, here's some pictures of some of the, the helicopters and during the actual search. These are from the search for Finn. Did you want me to go to the pictures of uh, There's the some, tracings? Yeah, th this okay. was pretty cool. And if you go to the actual document I sent, oh, I have what the different oh, colors mean. My bad. No, so um, you can see that they, they're searching a lot of the area, and they've got on foot, quad, motorcycle, flight path, um, for those of you just listening, they were posting updates on exactly what had been searched and what was doing the searching. That's cool. So if like if you're a runner and you do the running apps and it traces your route, yeah, they must have a software program that does a similar thing, uh, but they have them all shaded different colors and they say what they are. So it's like this red was a motorcycle. That's so cool. Yeah, they know what's been looked at already. Yeah, so it's really cool. And it, I there were dozens of these posts. I didn't obviously save all of them on here. I just picked a few of them just to kind of give an example of, well, and after looking at the images from the road, like there's no trees, so you can see everything. Problem was he was wearing colors that kind of blend in, blended in with yeah. the ground cover. So were they using FLIR or anything like they did for Paul Miller? I don't know. They had drones okay. and they had coast guard helicopters. So I'm assuming they had that equipment. I don't know if they had the photo, photography equipment where it was taking thousands of images and yeah that thing that they used that that's what they used to find paul miller yeah remember when they finally processed it they were able to see yeah him. i don't there was no uh, mention of that in my research for this but okay um they had would, to have it available to them you think i would think at a minimum they were probably using infrared cameras if they had coast guard helicopters searching yeah um but they had a lot of search dogs out there we have a picture of it's, one of the it's snowing yeah 
So that would make it easier to see him. Yeah. Darker clothing. Unless it covers, yeah. you know, a body or something with yeah. snow. There's an example of one of the roads out there too. Yeah. You just can see gravel. It's just gravel. Um, but yeah, it's puzzling because you look at the terrain. Yeah, look at how far you can see. Some of the cases we cover, people go missing in really thick vegetation. Uh-huh. Now this is, you know, if like you were hiking out there in like blaze orange, you could be seen from space. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing. Like, yeah. Look at that. Yeah. But it's vast. I mean. It's very vast. Yeah. So uh, moving on here with the. Uh, it's like got to be deceptively for the search. Cause you look at like, I look at it and go like, why can't you see him? But like, I bet if you stuck a dude out there with just some plain clothing, it'd be yeah. super hard to see. And we don't really have a specific location. I mean, they have a general idea of what they think he did. So did they, this isn't like something he made. This no. is like what they put together. Yeah. So they okay. know he was dropped off at the, the caravan spot. Okay. That's it. And they know his, his wife knows that he, was planning to hike back to his car. Yeah. So now you they basically... They a direction and where he started. They have a confirmed sighting of where he was dropped off, and they they know where his car was. And they assume he was heading back to his car. Well, and he knows what he's doing, so he would take the most direct path, you would assume. Yeah. like And he would be well, able to do it the a, right like way. Like the season finale for his show. And we're getting into theories now. Okay. All right. But, just keep yeah. going. Sorry. <laughs> so, sorry. Um, okay. Where was I? All right. It's March 31st now. 2022, this is another police press release. So uh, police in the Highlands are continuing to appeal for the public's help to trace 32-year-old Finn Creaney. Uh, officers continue to search the area between uh, Altahara and Golsby in Sutherland with the support of the Air Support Unit as well as a number of partner agencies including Mountain Rescue and Coast Guard. Inspector uh, Alsdair Goskirk said our concerns for Finn's safety and welfare continue to grow. Extensive searches and inquiries have been carried out in an effort to trace Finn. He goes on to say, I know our concerns are shared by locals and we are grateful for the assistance we have received so far. I continue to urge anyone who believes they may have seen Finn in recent days or has any information regarding his whereabouts to come forward. So it is now April 4th, 2022. We just have a quick update on the search. So, the police air support unit, search and rescue dogs, and a Coast Guard helicopter from Inverness have all been involved in uh, the bid to find FID, Finn, mountain rescue crews from Police Scotland, the RAF, uh, Dundonal MRT, and Ascent MRT have all joined the search effort. So it is now Friday, April 8th, 2022. We have another police report. Uh, they go on to say officers from the Highlands are renewing a, the appeal for information to help trace Finn Creaney almost two weeks on from when he was last seen. Chief Inspector Kevin McLeod said it's, it is almost two weeks since Finn went missing and his family remain greatly concerned. It is obvious from the response we've had that there is a great concern in the community for Finn's well-being. Since Finn was reported missing, a number of searches have been carried out by local officers who have been assisted by our colleagues in Operational Support Division and the Air Support Unit, along with our partner agencies. This will continue over the weekend in an effort to locate him. I ask that if you're walking in the area and hills between uh, Altanahara and Goldsby recently to get in touch with us, it is possible you have a piece of information that could help um, progress our inquiries. 
I would also like to thank the public for the tremendous support they have given so far. It is now, um, let's see here. Just apologize, I lost my place. So, uh, were you on the March twenty? Oh, here we go. Yeah, press? it's the so the last kind of police uh, press release we got was from April eighth of twenty twenty two. Then they actually released a a press release almost a year later on March 25th of 2023. So they wrote, despite an extensive search and repeated appeals for information, there has been no trace of him since. Police Scotland Inspector Chris Murray said, Finn Creaney has now been missing for a year and we know uh, what a difficult period this has been for the family and friends. Finn was dropped off near... Uh, the caravan club on the north side of Lac Navier with the intention of walking across country to Goldsby. We know the feeling of concern for him is shared by people across the highlands, and we are grateful to them for their continued support of our inquiries. Extensive searches have been carried out, sadly so far, without success, and we will continue to act on any new information received. I would thank the public who have already been in touch and encourage anyone who thinks they may have seen something or has any information they feel relevant to make contact with us on 101 quoting reference number 0912 of March 28th, 2022. And that actually, anyone listening from, you know, Scotland or was, you know, a tourist there at this time and knows anything, this is still a pretty recent case. This press release was just from March of this year. So if anyone knows information, you know, I would urge you to, if you live in Scotland, to call this number like they said. And if you you live internationally but were there, I, you probably can go to the Scotland Police website and they still have a page for Finn Creaney. So um, anyone listening does have information. I know there was a, a show in the UK uh, that ran... Um, an episode on Finn Creaney a while back that got a lot of public attention. So I just have a couple of notes, other notes about the case that I just wanted to bring up before we get into theories. So one of the sad things about this case was Lucy was pregnant with Finn's son at the time of his disappearance. And um, at the time, at the anniversary of the one year your mark of his disappearance, his son is now 10 months old. So uh, kind of sad that she had to give birth to a son and, you know, Finn wasn't there for that. Um, so the uh, the search, like I said, lasted for about three to four weeks. Nothing turned up. Um, family at the time said there is no evidence that Finn would ever choose to go missing intentionally and there were no signs of mental health crisis. The business he had launched was starting to take off, and he had a strong relationship with his family, having been together with his wife for nine years and uh, recently getting married in 2021. Um, you know, the family also has done everything possible to find Finn after the official search finished, including ground searches on many occasions, poster campaigns, social media appeals, online searching and research, but there were no genuine sightings apart from one by some bikers who believed they saw Finn at about 3.45 p.m., roughly three miles down the road from where he was dropped off. And they seemed, they said he seemed cheerful. Others have come forward and reported sightings, none of which have matched Finn's description. So 
Uh, to this day, he has not been found. His remains have not been found. His gear has not been found. Really no evidence that he was even there has been found other than the fact that people know he was dropped off at that location. So uh, we'll get right into theories, and I will, I'll talk a little bit about what the official law enforcement uh, people think, and then we can get into our theories. So this first statement comes from the former chief superintendent of the Met Police, and um, they said, this is a quote, there would be three main theories in relation to Finn, and the first would be that uh, it was an accidental issue. Something has happened to him. Now, bearing in mind he was a fit young man, he is used to camping out, he is used to that sort of life, that would be a theory that doesn't hold water. The second one would be that he has voluntarily gone missing, and some people do do that. But when you look at his family, and he was excited about the birth of his second child, you do look at that and you think, is that really credible? And the third main theory that I would have been looking at uh, is that there has been a third-party intervention or somebody else involved. The thing for me is that he knows what he's doing, he knows where he's going, and he's in contact with his family. What the police are saying is that they have exhausted all their lines of inquiry, they have searched the route, they have looked for sightings, they haven't got any more leads to look at. So this retired superintendent of uh, the Met Police feels that it could have been foul play. Something happened to him. Not accidental, not suicide, but, you know, another human yeah. incident. Um, which, I mean, the fact that they found nothing, it's the terrain is, you know, they sh if he injured himself and couldn't move, at some point they would have found him. Yeah. You would think. It's, it is nothing to, like, hide under. Yeah. Um, so we have another statement from a one of the – SAR members that was on the early search. So he wrote, I was included in the initial search team involved and there's no scrap of evidence he is there other than being seen at the drop-off point. Honestly, if I remember correctly, he only had a rucksack with him and there was a winter snap that, that night. I feel it unlikely we'll find him alive and he would be found by accident by someone going for a walk. I personally feel he has said he was going to X, Y, and Z, but he had gone and done A, B, and C instead of that, and the searchers have been completely in the wrong location. However, being the type of area it is, he could literally be anywhere in the highlands and never be found if that were his intentions. Only one person knows the true intentions and whereabouts, and we can't find him. So the searcher who is involved in the search, his theory is, he didn't follow the plan that he had told everyone or he intentionally okay. meant to do that. Um, and I only say one other thing about the suicide potential. So I actually found an article from 2011 that profiled Finn when he was trying to, you know, take his mu musician career uh, forward and he extensively talked about the depression he faced, and he had even thought about jumping from a bridge at one point. <laughs> so, um, I, based on that article, I, I don't, you know, the family says he wasn't suicidal, 
But I, that article is eye-opening in the fact that the depths of depression that he was facing, that he actually did think about taking his own life at one point. Um, the fact that he was in a place like that at one point in his life, I don't think you could rule that out, even if everything seems like it was going well for him. Okay. Um, I think, I think you have to have suicide as one of the theories of his disappearance, just because of, I think you factor in the terrain that it seems like it would be an easier terrain to find somebody. It is vast. Like that searcher said, um, and he was very experienced. What was the name of his show again? Um, like Bushcat, Bushcraft, Wildcat, Bushcraft. Wildcat. I think. Yeah. Um, so I think another possible theory is that they were searching the wrong area. I think. Uh, I think if he got to that location, then decided, you know what? I think I'm going to do this instead. Mm-hmm. But he was confident enough, thinking like, oh, you know what? I'll still make it to my car, but I'm going to go this route and not kind of the straight shot that you were showing on Google maps that perhaps searchers weren't even looking in the right area. Okay. Which, yeah. If you went somewhere completely different. Yeah. So I think my, I mean, I think foul play is a possibility, but it's pretty desolate and, um, the police extensively searched the area that he was supposed to be hiking in, didn't find any evidence of, you know, foul play happening. Um, so I don't think you can rule it out. I think I was trying to see like what his most recent video was. Yeah. This was December 12th, 2021. So yeah. three months, three and a half months before. Yeah. I mean, I know it's fake or not fake, but like, Trying to like say like okay, does he seem like something? I'm really looking forward to this one. All I've got on like he could be putting on a happy face. I'm saying like more like if you're talking about like the depression route, like what state is he in here? This is three months, three and a half months prior to him going missing. See, and that's that's the thing too. This is I'm not leaning suicide for one reason. He was planning future stuff. Yeah, and when they talk about people who do commit suicide. It's always, you know, he fits the criteria, not always, but from what I hear from people that know about the mental health disorders that people have and the issues people are dealing with, they say a lot of the times that people actually do it, you don't see it coming. They seem happy. They seem normal. So that's where I was like, okay, he's not acting out, you know, because that's usually a cry for help. Um, And obviously it can go either way. I'm just going off of like, okay, what's the average for this type of thing? So... The other thing is they give their stuff away. They yeah. don't make plans because they're not expecting to be there. If they're truly going to do that. So he was you know, filming for a second season of the show. It seemed like it's going well. He has 845 subscribers. He has only nine videos. Uh, this particular one has 169 likes, 6,860 views. So like, yeah. it wasn't like he's making these videos and it's not working. It's failing. He's uh-huh. not, it, it looks like they're well-produced. People are liking them. He's planning a second season. He is, he's excited about the birth of his next child. There's a lot of stuff going positive for him. Yeah, and that's why the family so, said they didn't think yeah. suicide was... Uh, well, the family's never going to. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, if, if I'm being fair... Um, a lot of people don't see it company. A lot of people suffer in silence. Yes, and especially the, they and the people fine. who are close to you might not see I mean, it. 
how often do we see this with Hollywood types? Yeah, absolutely. Like a famous actor that you've loved in a TV show. Robin Williams. Yeah. When Robin Williams died and I, I found out it was suicide, I, I was confused. I was like, this is like one of the most happy, happy-go-lucky people I've ever seen in show business. Yeah, and then you go back and look at the same videos with the, that context, and you're like, okay, now I can see it. And then you learn about his struggles he was having behind yeah. the scenes, and it, you, you're like, oh, I get it now. Yeah. But that, you're right. That's why outwardly you can't really... Though you're right. A lot of stuff seems like it's going great for him. Yeah, and that's where, and the future planning, things are going good. He's got another kid on the way. He seems excited about it. So I would say that's... I wouldn't even bring it up if I hadn't found that article. Well, it was people were making relative statements about it, yeah. right? So it is it is a relevant thing to say. Um, so I don't think you shouldn't have left it out for sure because it's relevant information about this story. Yeah. But I would say less than a 1% chance. That's okay. my opinion. That's my opinion. I think... I could be wrong. I think it's... I think it's more than a 1%, but I don't think it's the main theory. Yeah. I think the main theory is he deviated from his original plan, like that searcher said, and they weren't searching the right area. That's the theory that makes the most sense to me. So that I, I would say that's a theory of why they didn't find him. Yeah. So now I would say, I, I would say there's, Yes, because if you look at okay, I mean, yeah, two different theories. So what, yeah, I would say because there's, there's a reason they didn't, why they didn't find exactly. Him. <laughs> no, no, I, 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 I'm laying down with what you're going. Oh, I had to close that window, so I'll pull those back up. But yeah, so I think obviously we've covered cases where very experienced people went missing. So an accident yeah. can happen to anybody. No one's immune to f- slipping, falling, breaking things. I mean, he could have even drowned trying to cross. A body of water. We don't know. Um, and I think the reason why he hasn't been found yet, like that searcher had said, was he... A lot of, a lot of cases we know, like in a national park, it's a defined trail. And we know like if the person was seen at the trailhead, sometimes they're seen halfway down the trail. That gives searchers a really good idea of where this person might be. And then you you kind of work out from that spot. But in the case of Finn, we have two data points that are 25 miles apart, a yeah. car and a drop-off location. Yeah, and so here, here's <laughs> where he got dropped off, yeah. this drop-off zone. And then here's Gulspy. Yeah. Or Gaz Gulspy. Gulspy, Gulspy. I believe is what I heard it called. So they kind of, like, they made this big corridor. Yeah. Look at this. They focused on the left side where the lakes are. Well, and there's a road over there too. Okay. I believe. Yeah, I don't think he would have went on the road. That would defeat the whole purpose of what he's filming in his whole shtick. But, and I mean, even even in that search area, there's a chance he could have been injured and they wouldn't have found him. That's, that's kind of where I'm leaning is. He's not in the area they're searching and he had some injury that was bad enough where he was immobile. Yeah. And they just didn't find him. Yeah, like maybe he went north yeah. of the search area well, and was and coming. I keep talking about, I looked at just two different shots where it shows those are all open, but there was a wooded part, and it, and really think about it until recently it just registered, like here. Yeah. There's a picture of this dog. <laughs> we have some visitors. Yeah. Uh, there's a picture of this dog, um, and it's in the woods kind of. Yeah. So like this is a heavily covered area and we've seen in the just the, the video clip that he had before. Um, 
he does like lean tos or makes like yeah. different things like that. So it's possible that. So really, it's not all like de- desolate and barren. There are wood yeah. Areas. So like this is at, at least one area yeah. where the dog was looking. So yeah. So I mean, yeah, it, he could have gone missing in one of the wooded areas, and we, you know, Paul Miller went missing right near the trail. And they didn't find his body for several years. Yeah, just because it was off somewhere, Yeah, not on the trail. And this happens a lot of times. A lot of times people go missing, and years later they'll find their remains not that far from where they went missing Yeah, in an area that's been searched multiple times. So it's completely not out of the realm of possibility that he's still in that search area. Like we said, the case is very recent. Yeah, and it's a big area. 25 big miles area. is, is not, not nothing. And I still I keep coming back to the fact that it's just – the searchers don't have that great of a, they've got two data points that are, you know, miles apart. That makes it hard for them to really, yeah, you know, it's all assumptions. It's not like, like I said, it's not like he was seen at a trailhead and then he was seen, you know, the next day down the trail yeah. and you kind of got an idea and, you know, you could assume like they're following the trail and that gives searchers a great starting point. This is kind of more wide open. Some of those cases where we've covered where they've like, oh, he said he was going hiking in Glacier, and that's all they have. Yeah, and there's, just <laughs> no, there's no information at yeah. all. Yeah, that's really hard to find someone when you don't have any really d- definitive plan. Um, so. so I will say one thing I did notice on here. There's a cave system. Oh, yeah. That lines up with a lot of the stuff. We, maybe he went into the cave seek shelter maybe like yeah or the he fell through the some... ground into a cavern and yeah. that's like how he got hurt and he's not up on top well and the the, the uh, searcher said there was some bad winter weather that actually was moving in the area so maybe he gave caves great shelter to seek shelter in the cave and maybe went in too deep or oh yeah went into a cave that maybe that's why you well stay known. that's why you stay at the mouth yeah. always seriously because if you go in deep and start take you, you can get turned around and if it is a big network yeah you could just be lost yeah inside there forever and like if your lamp headlamp goes bad yeah and then I it's mean, just pitch black yeah and you're stuck yeah well, i don't want to think about that yeah that's terrifying. That, that is terrifying so that's that's like my off the deep end is like he's in a cave system lost somewhere yeah that's the only thing I can think of. Otherwise, just based on the even like the treed area, the terrain, like they had the dogs going through. Yeah. So now I think you, I think I think you're onto something there. I don't know that that's a deep end. I mean, there's I didn't that's even notice that there's actual caves in this search area. Yeah. So that that's why I said it's not really the deep end. That's just the like the farthest I could go of something crazy that happened. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, you know, like I said, it's a recent case, so we'll we'll keep an eye on it, and if anything pops up, you know, we've done several cases where. A year or two later, the the remains have been found. Eric Lloyd was one of those. Yeah. Um, uh, Paul Miller. Uh, there's has to have been a few others. I think there was a few others. Yeah. Where they got so. more information from it. So. Yeah. All right. Well, please tell us what you think. Uh, go online. Let us know what you think, or if you know other things about the case. Always, uh, we love the comments and emails. Uh, but thanks again for tuning into our show. We appreciate you all for listening and sharing locations unknown with your friends and family. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, where you can find the videos of each episode. Also, if you'd like to support the show monetarily, please visit our website or Facebook store to buy some cool, cool swag. Additionally, 
You can subscribe to our Patreon account on and on YouTube and other subscription networks like on Apple and Spotify, where you will have access to special events and additional shows for paid customers only. Lastly, when enjoying the beauty of nature, whether backpacking, camping, or simply taking a walk, always remember to leave no trace. Thanks, and we will see you all next time.